that's an Old Testament metaphor for the presence of the Lord. Anyway, the title of this message is What Are We Serving? Luke chapter 8, 11 through 15. The parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. The devil comes, takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in the time of temptation, they fall away. The ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with perseverance. Uh, actually, this translation says patience, but uh, I think it's NASB says with perseverance. So I want you to, uh, that's the text that we're going to come back to, but I'm going to begin with a little bit of introduction. I'm going to tell you how I got here. All right. So uh, I was just thinking about, anybody like to eat out? I like to eat out. I, I, my wife is working now, and I, I, she, she cooks good, and I come to the conclusion that I don't. And so when she can't cook, uh, I'm either eating, uh, well, if I'd eat peanut butter and jelly if I liked it. Uh, I stopped eating uh, bread, uh, so the only bread I eat is about this size, so you can't make a decent sandwich. And then I come to find out processed meats are no good for you. Apparently American cheese isn't good for you. I'm like, well, you're taking everything away from me. I said, well, I can have tuna fish and chicken breast, but I don't like it without boiled eggs. And I figured i got to boil an egg if I'm going to have a good tuna fish salad or a chicken breast salad. I don't want to take the time to do that, so I go out to eat. <laughs> so anyway, I like to eat a certain restaurant. Some of you all know, usually like Marty, I've taken Marty to a couple different places. He said, I don't know what it is, but you sure know good places to eat. Well, you know, there's a lot of hit and misses. Uh, I, I uh, eliminate the misses and I keep the hits and I usually that's where I, I invite you guys but uh, a certain restaurant in Pyrrhon I like to go to which will remain, remain unmentioned but it's a great restaurant I had a great uh, 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 experience there been back many many times it's my dad and myself and my brother we would go eat there all the time I, every time I have an opportunity I look forward to going there I enjoyed it immensely and in fact, I remember on one occasion telling uh, one of, another family member that I had, I said, have you ever eaten at this restaurant? Uh, and when I mentioned it, they kind of said, eh, yeah, you know, and I thought to myself, I, I wonder what you're thinking about. I go there all the time and it's wonderful. Why is it that you don't like it, you know? I didn't tell them that, but I'm thinking that in my head. Well, anyway, sometime later, I'm going on a trip. Uh, I'm going to the hill country, and, and I'm getting about San Antonio ways, and I'm getting a little hungry, and so I want to find a place to eat. So I pull up uh, Google Maps, you know, and, oop, probably should have said that. But anyway, <laughs> I pull up my GPS coordinates, and guess what pops up? The restaurant that I like to eat at. Now, it's not the same restaurant. It's the, the franchise. I like to eat at that franchise. And so uh, um, it's the restaurant I like. I eagerly went there, ordered what I always enjoyed, only to find out, and it wasn't that good. I said, what's going on here? Well, I realized that although the name on the outside was the same, even though it should be the same in experience because it's a franchise, it wasn't the same. I learned something. I realized that when I asked my relative, do you like this restaurant? He didn't go to the same restaurant I went to. He went to the same restaurant by name, but he went to another place, right? So I learned something. It wasn't necessarily about the name that's on the outside of the building. It's about the people who work it on the inside. That's really what made the difference. 
you can have the same name, same restaurant, same resources, but if the people in one restaurant don't really have the same passion or the talent or the abilities in the, in, that the people do in another restaurant, even though if it has the same name, it ain't going to be the same. There's a restaurant here in Lake Jackson that I used to go to. I don't go to very much, and uh, I, I feel like the quality has diminished, right? But then there's the same restaurant in Angleton, and I was told if you go over there, it's really good. What makes the difference? Same name, same owners, same restaurants, different people. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So uh, in that same vein, I remember reading a quote that brings out this truth in a different way, what I'm going to present to you today. The author was referencing different forms of government. Now, obviously, we live in a democratic government. We have some people in our society that like other forms of government. They're trying to promote other forms of government. We're not any way, in any way trying to promote a certain form of government. All I'm trying to say is that basically what this author said, and I tend to agree with him, is that you can have a bad system of government and have good people in it, and it'll work. You can have the best form of government and have be bad people in it, and it will not work. How many of y'all know we're having that same thing happen right now, right? Now, I didn't mention any names. I'm not making any. I'm just telling you, in my opinion, that seems to be the case with us right now. So, <laughs> so it's not about the type of government as much as the people that are in it, right? So why am I bringing this up, and what does this have to do with our text? Well, on one level, I wonder how much of what people think about the Lord is really about uh, the idea because they really know who he is or because they had a particular experience uh, with someone who bore his name. Were they really disappointed with Christianity as a whole? And by the way, some people will be. Some people don't want the message. Some people don't want Jesus. Some people they don't want that. We understand that. But are they really disappointed with Christianity as a whole or did they develop a bad opinion because of an experience they had with certain people or a certain person who was in it? In other words, to keep with the metaphor above, did they really not like the chain or the franchise, or was it just one particular restaurant where they had a bad experience that soured them on the whole, on the whole restaurant chain? You hear what I'm saying? Well, on another level, why are there such differences in the way we present the Christian experience? And I'm talking to us as believers. In a franchise, theoretically, all the restaurants are supposed to be the same. If you go to one, it should be the same experience that you'll have regardless of which particular restaurant you go to. I'm going to pause there for a minute because now I'm going to, we do have a, a Chick-fil-A and I, I've got nothing but good to say about Chick-fil-A, right? That's my own personal experience. The only thing I don't like about Chick-fil-A is they're so prosperous I don't want to go there anymore. So what do you mean? I can't get in. I have to wait 30 minutes to get a meal. Well, I mean, that's great. I want you to be blessed, but I still want my, me my meal in five minutes or less, you know? So, um, but anyway, I, I remember coming here to this Chick-fil-A, and when I would order a sandwich, I'm telling you, man, that, that, that chicken was, was, you know, you had a bun, and you had the chicken coming out of the bun, it was wonderful. I'd go to another Chick-fil-A in Pearland, and when I went to that Chick-fil-A in Pearland, the bun was bigger than the chicken. And I thought to my... <laughs> And I talked to somebody that worked Chick-fil-A, and they said, no, it's the same. You know, they just cut it different, whatever case may be. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know where you go to. I'm telling you, this one comes out of the bun, and the other one doesn't, and it's not the same. Now, we know that all restaurants have access to the same resources, but they're not all the same. 
They have access to the same menus, the same recipes, the same resources, the same equipment, yet what we see is that what they serve is not always the same. Now, I will say that the product at Chick-fil-A was always the same, but I'm into quantity as well, all right? So, theoretically, now getting back to believers, believers all have access to the same Lord, the same Word, the same promises, the same spirit, but why is it that what we serve is so different across the board? Now, there's, a, there's lots of answers to that question. We're not all in the same place. Uh, we're immature. Uh, we're maturing. Uh, there's lots of different answers to that question, but I want to just touch on a few that we find in our text. By the way, we all have access to the same words, same body. There's, there's a text for that, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. The reasons for the differences are myriads in scope, but hopefully today we'll gain a few insights to some of these questions, at least the ones I want to bring out. Today as we break down our text, we're going to focus on not on Christianity in general, but on the people who are called by his name and some of the reasons why what we bring to the table is so different from person to person. So first thing we want to look at is under the title of resources. Matthew 13, 3 through 8, it says, and this is the same parable, just in a different, uh, path, uh, a different gospel. He spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, the birds came and devoured them. Some seed fell on stony places uh, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty-fold. Now, what we're really talking about here is Jesus is talking about seeds and soil, but it's a metaphor for the Word of God and the people that receive the Word of God. Right? Did you notice in this text, if you were to go back and study, do you notice or did you notice that all the people described in this parable had access to the same resource? They were all sown seed. Can you say seed with me? They were all sown seed. What was the seed? Jesus said the seed is the word of God. So too as believers, we can say that we all have access to the same resources. What are some of the resources that we have access to? Well, like this text, we all have access to the word of God. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now listen, if you accept Christ and you get saved, there's always uh, some standard instructions that people are going to get, right? What's the first one? Go to church. Uh, second one, read your Bible. Third one, pray. You know what most people do? They don't go to church, they don't read their Bible, and they don't pray. Right? Now, we all have access to the same resources, but, you know, when I was told that, and I'm not perfect, I promise you, I'm not perfect. But I actually, before I became a Christian, I was, let, me, let me just get off on this, so you know, I want to make this relevant to you. Before I became a Christian, uh, you may not realize it, I was an athlete. I was a tennis player. 
And my dad loved athletics. Uh, my dad played soccer, very good at soccer. My dad played handball, very, I mean, a racquetball, very good at racquetball. He played tennis. He was very good at tennis. And so he passed that on to us, right? So he would take us to play tennis. And I used to be a pretty hefty kid. But he would take me anyway. He'd play with me. And then he'd take my brothers. Uh, my, one of my brothers is here today. One of my sisters. They all played tennis because that's what my dad did. And then I had another brother, and his name is Victor. And uh, we, we played tennis. And, and, and we just got to where we played. We enjoyed playing. And one day, uh, my dad uh, pitted me and my brother against each other. And he said, I'll give a dollar. Whoever wins this match, I'm going to give you a dollar to. Now, I'm older than my brother. I'm thinking to myself, I got this. Right? That little booger beat me. Made me mad. I got upset, right? It wasn't really about the dollar. It was more about wanting my dad's approval, right? But my dad, my dad said, don't worry about it. He said, your brother, he's pretty talented, you know, whatever the case may be. And, of course, when he said that, I heard, I'm not. <laughs> but I determined within myself, I, had, I determined within myself, I said, I will never lose to my brother again. And so my brother, now that I'm not in the middle of it, I can look back with a little more objectivity. My brother was very talented. He had a natural talent for sports. He didn't have to play as hard. He didn't have to try as hard. He was just good at it, right? Now me, I had to work at it. But what I did is I determined that I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to play every day, I'm going to practice every day, I'm going to get lessons, I'm going to, I'm going to be diligent to do what's necessary. I learn how to do the basics, and I learn how to do them well, and I will tell you something, my brother never beat me again. Now, why is this important? Because I have that understanding, and some of you have had that in other, whether it be in studies, you wanted to be the best uh, 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 student in your, in your class, and so you knew you had to study hard, and when everybody, out was, everybody else was out working, I mean, uh, pl uh, partying and doing all that kind of, you were at home working the books, you know, or uh, maybe some other uh, type of thing where you realize that in order to, to, to do well, you're going to have to say no to some things and yes to something else, and, and so you learn how to follow instructions. And if you didn't know how to follow instructions, when you returned 18 years old, you went into the military where they taught you how to follow instructions. Right? So when I got saved and they said, you need to go to church, you need to read your Bible, and you need to pray, stupid me, I did what they said. I didn't have enough knowledge at the time to understand that I wasn't supposed to do what they said, which I don't know why we think. The enemy comes along and they said, go to church, and then you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. The enemy comes along and says, read your Bible. Oh, you know, the Bible's okay. You know, I can get enough. I, I grew up in church. I know what the Bible stories are, whatever the case may be. Or, you know what, uh, you need to pray every day. I don't need to pray every day. I'll just pray when I'm in trouble. But I was foolish enough to take his advice, and I did. So what does it mean to go to church? Went to church every day. Every time, not every day. Every time the, church, the doors were open, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, uh, I went to church. They said, well, what if you had other things to do? I put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Where did you learn that? In the Bible, because that's the other thing I started to do. I started to read my Bible every day. And come to find out, when I read my Bible every day, the word of God would convict me about things that I was doing that I shouldn't be doing. Right? I'll give you an example. Are you guys okay? AJ gave me time. So I have lots of time this morning. Are you guys okay with me just kind of talking to you a little bit? Okay, so some of y'all are new because this is Easter, 
you've never been to this church before, we're glad to have you here. So some of y'all have never heard my stories. Everybody else is like, oh, not again. <laughs> right? So uh, anyway, uh, I, I read the Word of God, you know, on a, on a daily basis. And then I, I went to church whenever the doors were open. I was talking about reading the Word of God. But actually what I would do is I would, I took that Word and, and they said read it every day. And I would read it. And, and I didn't just read it because... Uh, it was a, a discipline. It has to become a discipline, but I didn't read it because it was just a discipline. I read it because I enjoyed it. It fed my soul. And I realized in the Bible, it was convicting me. As I would read things in the Bible, it was convicting me about things. I was getting back to where I was. I was trying to remember what the illustration I want to share with you is that I remember uh, when I got saved, I was, I was the only woman I know of in my family to be saved, Right? I think my mother had, at one point, she did a complete turnaround, and I asked her before, I said, did you, did you watch some kind of Christian television show and something happened? She said, yes. And she stopped. Everything she was doing, she stopped. And the only thing that can make that kind of change that I know of is God. I mean, we, our family was pretty messed up. You talk to my family, they're honest, they'll tell you, we were pretty messed up. On the outside, we look like a regular middle-class family, but it's kind of like what they were telling you right here. You don't really know what's going on on the inside, right? And then so my mother turned around, and then I got saved, and, 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 and basically, uh, uh, now I lost where I was going again. Let me see if I can get back there. So, oh, yeah, I know what's happening. I got saved. Remember, I tell you, when you get saved, everything's just not hunky-dory. It's not like your mind's been changed. Well, I would get saved, and I'd go to church uh, uh, with my wife. She wasn't my wife back then, but they would invite me to church, and I'd go to church, and I liked it, and they, they, wanted, they were just kind of in their own way uh, helping me to become stronger as a Christian, doing, you know, just encouraging me. And so, uh, but then I would go back home to my house, right? And when I went back home to my house... I didn't think anything different. I just, this is where I grew up. This is where I've always been. I did what I always did. I remember one time we, we, I was watching a television show. It was a war movie. I still like war movies, but it was a war movie. It was great. I thought, man, what an awesome movie. I went back, uh, I think it was a Sunday. We went to church on the way home. I said, man, I saw this great movie yesterday. Really? What was the name of the movie? I told them what the name of the movie. Hey, we should rent the movie. Yeah, let's rent the movie. And so they took it over to their house, which wasn't my house, and for some reason, when I watched it in their house, I was like, oh. wow, I didn't realize this movie had all this cussing, because cussing was normal at my house, right? It's the way we talk. My wife says, why do you yell? I said, I'm not yelling. This is the way you talk, right? This is the way we talk in my house. Hey, Victor, that's what my mom would say. Victor, Victor, time to get up. You know, that's just the way it was. My wife says, why are you yelling? I'm not yelling. Why do you think I'm yelling? This is normal. My sister comes in. There's my sister right here. And she says, hey, Anna, how's it going? Why does your sister talk so loud? That's just the way we are. Huh? <laughs> That's the culture of our house, right? So there were other things in the culture of our house that just because I got saved doesn't mean that, that it made it right. It's just what we normally do. But then I realized when I started getting into the Word of God, there are some things that we did at home that I needed to learn how to change and transform in my life. Where'd that come from? From the Word of God. But guess what? If you don't read the Word of God, you won't get convicted. Right? The Word of God, see, you, some of y'all don't want to go to church because you're afraid the preacher's going to convict you. The preacher's not about the preacher convicting you. That's not, that's not my purpose to convict you. My purpose is to deliver the Word of God. It's the Word of God that is uh, uh, living and active and sharper than the two-edged sword. So what we find is that, well, if I don't believe this is the Word of God and I don't spend time in the Word of God, what we find is that we don't have to change. 
right? But like I said before, I, I began to read the Word of God, and it began to produce changes in me. And the other thing they tell you is that you need to pray. Well, okay, so I'm reading in this, the Word, you know, and it says uh, when you uh, pray, don't pray like the, 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 the religious people do, he said, or, you know, other people do. He said, go into your closet and pray. Well, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't like my closet because it's dark. Well, I guess I'm supposed to go into my closet. So, and there's, there's roaches in there sometimes, and sometimes even a little mouse. I don't want to be in there in the dark. I don't have a light in my closet. But the Bible says, go into your closet and pray. So I didn't realize at the time, that's metaphorical, make a quiet place for yourself. So I literally cleared a room in my closet, and I would close the door, and I'd go in there and pray. You say, well, Rick, that's just kind of naive that you would do something like that. Well, I want to tell you something. In my naiveness, the Lord began to talk to me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm trying to get you to understand is we all have access to the same resources, but we don't all take advantage of those resources. Right? The Word of God is one. In the Word of God, there are promises of God. 2 Corinthians 1 and 20. For all the promises of God in Christ, in Him, are yes. When you realize, God, will you do this? You said in this word, you've done it for other people. Is that something that you'll do in my life? The Bible says all the promises of God are yes, but it requires us to say amen. That means to come into agreement with Him, to pursue Him for these promises. But if you don't read the Word of God, you're not going to know what the promises of God. If you don't go to church, you're not going to hear the Word of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we all have access to the Spirit of God. Acts 2.38, Peter said to them, those that were hearing him preach, said, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about just getting born again. The Spirit of God comes in you when you get born again. But I didn't know if you know this, but we're one of those crazy, medics, I mean charismatic churches. We believe in the infilling of the Spirit of God. The Bible says in Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the innermost parts of the earth. I believe that the norm is for Christians to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and to walk in power. We all have access to those same resources. But sometimes, well, I don't believe that's for today. Or I don't believe that's for me. Well, my church doesn't believe in that, and that's fine, you can go, you know, but to me, I'm not interested really in what the church believes, I'm interested in what the scripture says, and I'm interested in what Jesus says, because sometimes the church could be wrong. So in our text, we see that all of them, every one of the soils had access to the same source, which is the seed, however their experience had first of all to do with their reception. How did they receive the seed? And that second uh, point we're going to look at is, is response. In our text, even though they all had the opportunities to receive what God had to offer, they didn't all take advantage of the opportunities equally. Some people didn't want the resources. They denied the seed. Matthew 13 and 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it or they don't want it, context is there too, then the wicked one comes and takes away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. Guess what? No seed, no harvest. Right? You want to see a change in your life, you've got to have the Word of God uh, because there's power in the living Word of God in your life to help you produce the change. 
If you don't want to have anything to do with the Word of God, you're going to have to find other ways of making changes in your life, but you're not going to have access to the supernatural power of God that is contained within His Word. Now, how does this all have to do? Remember, we began with this idea of restaurants can have the same name, but they don't all serve the same thing, right? Well, what if you had a restaurant, you had access to all the resources, but they say, I don't want that. I'm not buying that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. You're not going to get served the same thing, are you? So the, same, the second uh, person here is, uh, we, the first one was a denial. The second one is disillusion. So you have access to the same resources, but after a little while, you get disillusioned with, you know, eh, I, I could probably do better, or it's not what I thought it was going to be. The text is Matthew 13, 20 through 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word of God and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, I love the promises of God. God promised me this. God promised me that. And he did. It's all in there. Yet he has no root in himself, and he endures for a little while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, not just Jesus, but it could be the Word. You ever got a promise from God, and God in His Word made it alive to you? And I know this may, may, may not be applicable to some of you, but the Word of God, it's like God promised that He would do this in my life. I believe it. He spoke it to me. The Word of God, I've, I've read this. It's just become near and dear to me. And then it seems as soon as faith arises in your heart, everything around you is the exact opposite. Right? No, that's not for you. And, uh, you know, I got a promise of healing, and then all of a sudden, I get worse. God tells me I'm going to do this in my life, and the situation gets even worse. Jesus tells the disciples, we're going to the other side. Oh, thank you, Jesus, we're going to the other side. And not only that, he's coming with us. And in the middle of the storm, there's a storm that arises totally opposite. And the storm is saying, you're not going to the other side. Not only are you not going to the other side, you're going to sink. And this Jesus who you thought was so good, he's asleep. He don't care about you. Not only am I going to take you down, I'm going to take him down too. So you get disillusioned, Right? And then what happens? You endure for a little while, but when tribulation or persecution arises, immediately you stumble. Oh, either I don't want anything to do with Christianity, or that, that is not for me. That promise wasn't for me. I'm never going to do that again. Number three, you get distracted. Matthew 13 and 22. Now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Right? Well, Christianity is good. I'm going to get to heaven. But you know, some of those other things in there, it's okay. They're great. It's, but really, you know what God loves? God loves those who help themselves. That's not even in the Bible. Where'd you get, up? Where'd you get that from? Right? But what we try to do is, uh, you know, God's, God's blessing me, and I use everything that God has given me. I use it to take care of my family. I use it to do, and you know, my family's going to grow up, and they're going to grow up Christians, and so we justify, uh, uh, you know, uh, our lifestyle of greed. I don't give anymore. I don't give my time. I don't give my talents. I don't give my abilities. Why? Oh, because, you know, uh, it's just, it's just uh, uh, what we're trying to do is justify our lifestyle of selfishness. We become distracted from what's really important. What is the word of God? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I can't tell you how many people, and listen, I was an athlete. And when I got saved, I played soccer on Sundays. 
And when I played soccer on Sundays, I knew I could go to church on Sunday night. I knew I could go to church on Wednesday night. But I was in that prayer closet where it's dark and there were roaches. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said to me, I want you to go to church on Sunday morning. And well, if I go to church on Sunday mornings, I've got to quit soccer. It wasn't, there was nothing wrong with soccer. But the Lord spoke to me and said, this is what I want for you. I want you to go to church on Sunday morning. Right? If I'd have talked to other Christians, they'd have said, that's not God. God doesn't require to give stuff up. But everywhere I read in the Bible, it seems like God requires me to give stuff up. If I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, that means other things are going to have to take a back seat. Listen, the other day we were... Please help me remember where I'm going here, okay? Because the other day, we are going out... Yesterday, we are going out to eat. We only have two seats in the front, right? So uh, my wife decides she's going to drive, and my sister gets in the front seat, and I'm okay with that, but I come to find out pretty quick, if she's in the front seat, I'm in the back seat. You can't put two things in there. You can't put both. You can't put soccer and going to church on Sunday morning in the same seat. One of them had to go. Oh, God doesn't want you to let go of everything. God didn't want you. That's not the same Jesus that I read. Sometimes I can't tell you how many people say, well, if I can fit Jesus in my schedule, if I can fit church in my schedule, do you mind working at the door? Well, I don't know if I'm going to be at church every Sunday. Why? Well, sometimes, you know, I got soccer games or I got, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, I got to go on trips or whatever the case may be. Are they for work related? Are you required to do that? No, sometimes I take after extra shifts. Do they make you do that? No, but it's, it's, it's extra money for me. No, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying... People always find ways to justify what they want to do. And you're welcome to do that. But what I'm trying to tell you is that if you want to seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you're reading His word, you're going to church, you're hearing from God, yes, God will oftentimes tell you to eliminate not just the bad things from your life, but to eliminate some things that are good if they're keeping you from what's best. We get distracted by the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, not realizing you can't have two priorities in life, right? And what happens is those priorities, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, they begin to choke the word of God in your life, and you become unfruitful. Fourth one, uh, you become disillusioned, Luke 8 and 15. Uh, I mean diligent, diligent, sorry. Luke 8 and 15, this is the positive one. But the seed that is in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. By the way, getting back to that story I was telling you, the Lord said, I want you to give up uh, soccer Sunday morning. So I came, I came that last Sunday, and I, ha- and I, I didn't literally have my cleats, but in, in a way I said, I'm not going to be playing soccer anymore. Why? Because I'm going to be going to church. Oh, come on, we need you. What are you talking about? You're, you're the, the fastest guy we got, you know, which when you play with 40 and 50 years old and you're 18, you can be pretty fast. He said, you don't have to go. Go to church on Wednesday nights. Go to church on Sunday nights, right? And if, I'd have been care- if I hadn't been careful, they would have talked me out of doing what God wanted me to do. The Lord wanted me to go on Sunday morning. He didn't say soccer was bad. He said, I want you to go on Sunday mornings. It's not about, uh, in my opinion, it's not about what I have to give up. It's what am I going to gain? I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to do what he wants. And I've never regretted that decision. Never regretted it. 
well, if you'd have played soccer, you'd have cut this. But I followed the Lord's voice. I learned how to hear him. I learned how to do what he says. And from that moment on, uh, I'm not saying just because of that, but I believe that that opportunity to obey opens up other opportunities in your life. So what were the results to the resources these people that were given in our text? It's really this, what we're talking about, results. What was the fruit of their decisions? It's the fruit that truly determines what other people experience about the Lord based on their interaction with them. So what I'm trying to say is that if you uh, are on hard soil, but you're a Christian, what are people going to respond to or what are they going to see about God in your life from your interaction with God based on how you did and accepted and responded to his resources? Now, I'm going to make this supposition. I'm not just talking about unbelievers when I'm talking about the hard soul because we can be believers and God try to speak to us about certain things in life, but we're not open to it. So we were open to the Lord, but we're not always open to what he has to say to us. In other words, I'll let you in, but I'm only going to let you in so far. Right? I'm not going to give you permission to go into that area of my life. I like what I'm doing over here. I'm fine with what I'm doing over here. I'm not opening that room to you. And the Lord's a gentleman, right? But the bottom line is that area of your life is going to remain in darkness. That area of your life is going to be hard. That area of your life that you won't let the word of God penetrate in your life is not just going to stay there, however. You ever heard that story about uh, I think it was called The Oath, a guy named Frank Peretti. I know by now he's probably out of, out of the mainstream. Nobody knows who he is, but he wrote a book called The Oath. I think that was the name of it. And I think it was that book where uh, it told a story about a guy that had a pet dragon. Little pet dragon. Beautiful little pet dragon. Ah, started feeding the dragon, taking care of the dragon, developed a bond with the dragon, relationship with the dragon, and it was a good buddy-buddy relationship until the dragon started growing started growing, started growing, and the next thing you know, you couldn't keep that dragon on a leash anymore. You couldn't keep that dragon in the backyard anymore. You couldn't keep that dragon in chains. The dragon that you're feeding will eventually feed on you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Right? So we can be hard to certain areas in our life, but that hardness is not going to just stay in a certain area of your life. Anyway, let's get back. So we can be talking about people who are in Christ, however, are no longer open to receiving the word of God in their lives because of the hard areas of their heart. To those of us that may find ourselves in this place, could it be that what we serve others about the Lord is hard and harsh, and because of that, what others are experiencing is at best an inaccurate expression of who he is? Oh yeah, I know what it's like to be a Christian. How do you know? Oh yeah, I was talking to that guy over there. I don't want anything to do with that. Right? You know, these, these Christians that go around and they, they're, they're, they, the way they, uh, and we should be uh, against things that take other people's lives. Now, I'm talking about the issue of abortion. Abortion is killing babies. Now, if you've had abortion, I want you to know there's grace. There's mercy. God loves you. We understand that we did things in the past because we sought certain ways or other people told us it was okay, but according to the word of God, you're taking the life of an individual. And that's wrong. It's called murder, right? 
you can couch it under uh, freedom to choose or pro-choice, but the bottom line is it's murder. Thou shalt not kill. You hear what I'm saying? Right? But how you approach that is a direct reflection of your relationship with God. If you go around with signs that say murderers, thieves, you, you, you killers, that, that's not an expression of the heart of God. I will tell you the truth, but I'm also going to let you know that no matter what you did I, and no matter what I did, we're in the same place. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God's desire in making us aware of the truth is that we would accept his mercy and his grace and respond to his kindness because really what he's saying is if you will repent, I will come and I will make my home with you. I will forgive you. I will heal you of those areas of your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But how we present the truth, I've heard of another group, what they do is that when they go and they're dealing against this issue that is hurting people, the way they do it is they'll go to an abortion clinic instead of going around picking sides and judging and, and condemning and cursing, all those kind of things. What they do is they offer free sonograms. Before you go in there, would you like a free sonogram? And when they go in and they see the baby that's inside of them and they see the life that's moving in there because all they've been taught is that's just a ball of mass, that's just a blob, that's just a, it's not, it's a fetus, it's not a, it's not a baby, it's a fetus, it's a thing. You can kill it because it's not a thing, it's not a person. And then they see the baby. Then all of a sudden they say, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking that life. I see it, that thing's alive, because I can see his hands, I can see his fingers, I can see his nose. I'm not taking that. There's an instinct in the mother that knows that's wrong. You understand? But you're presenting the truth in different ways. And so what kind of experience did somebody have? You know, where they say, yeah, I know what Christians are. I, I don't know. I, you know. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Is it really because they don't want anything to do with Christ, or is it because they went to a restaurant that had the word Christian on it, but the people inside of it weren't necessarily serving what Jesus would want us to serve. We're hearing? What about the rocky soil? Luke 8, 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. These are those of us who believe God for breakthrough in certain areas, but become disillusioned and are failing to access those areas of promise in and for our lives. And consequently, because we don't believe or access that for our life, we can't serve that to others. Right? If all we know, and there's nothing wrong with this, this is great. It's an expression that we need. If someone's going through some difficulty and all we can do is, is get around them and just hug them, that's wonderful. But I believe in a God that can heal, deliver, and set free. So not only do I want to get around you and I want to let you know that you're loved and we love you, but I want you to know that God has the power to change your life. You see some of those signs that were up here? Did you see the very last one? I was dead in my mother's womb, but people prayed for me because they believed in the power of God. This church believed in the power. The believers in this church believed. And because of that, they were able to serve that. And that child is here today.
So what about Isaiah 55 and 1? Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. I have a great table prepared before you, the Lord saying. How about the thorny ground? Luke 8 and 14 says, For what fell among the thorns, these are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. These are those of us who gladly accept God, but as we go through life, we become distracted. We let the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of life divert us and divert our attention from the most important thing in life. And as a result, what we offer to others is an incomplete and distorted expression of who the Lord is. And we leave people with a bad taste in their mouth instead of a hunger for more. Revelations 3, 15 and 17. I know your works, the Lord said. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I have need of nothing, not realizing that you're rich and pitiable, poor, blind and naked. And he goes and he says, but behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. He's not talking to, to the world, he's talking to the church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And finally, what about the good soil? Luke 8, 15. As for, that, as for that in the good soil, these are those who, after hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with perseverance. These are those who diligently pursue the Lord, access his promises, and serve unto others, a true expression of who he really is. Now, again, just in my own life, I've told you this story before, but I, when I got saved, I, I had this mindset that was based on a lie that you had to perform to be loved so if ever you're supposed to pray 25 minutes a day i prayed 30 if you pray an hour i'm going to pray two if you pray three i'm going to pray four why because i'm going to be better than you because the best person is loved god loves them more right uh, that was my mindset so then i went to jerusalem and when i went to jerusalem i didn't realize that was in me and I was uh, looking at the temple, I was looking at the Muslim quarters, and the Lord began, as I stood before the wailing wall, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, Rick, you don't have to be Jewish to be loved. So where'd that come from? And I began to realize without even, God was touching on an issue in my heart. It says to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile. And I didn't realize that the lie that was in me is I could never be Jewish, so I could never be the best, so I could never be loved the way other people are loved. And the Lord began to root out that lion. He began to deal with it. But in that mindset, it didn't just heal overnight. It's like, I, I'm, I'm going to preach God's word. I don't care what people say. I don't care if people don't like it. I'm, I'm, I saw myself as the next John the Baptist. I'm going to preach the truth. Uh, you know, you brood of vipers. And, and I did that. And you know what? The Lord never rebuked me for that. He didn't. He did heal me of that. And I'll tell you why. Is because I was expressing the gospel but I wasn't doing with a heart of love. You see, when I read Preach the Truth in Love, I read Love to Preach the Truth. And then the Lord began to work on me, and I realized I had other things in my life that God had to heal, and the Lord began to show me. It's not love to preach the truth. It's preach the truth. So don't ever stop preaching the truth. I'm happy about you doing that. I like that. Don't ever back down. But now I want you to preach the truth in love because that's my heart. My heart is love. I see a lot of churches struggling today. I'm not saying that I don't. I'm trying to, I try to make sense. I try to do things the right way. We, we're trying to, this is not, this is a journey we're on. We're trying to figure things out. But a lot of churches like, hey, we love you. We accept you because Jesus is love and he is love. But we compromise truth. 
And then there are others of us who we preach truth, but we compromise this heart of love. We've got to learn how to do both. We've got to preach the truth. Because if you don't preach the truth, people don't realize there's a standard. Everything goes. My, my dad was an engineer. We have food for you, so you don't have to worry about getting home. We have food for you. And I do, if you'll talk to the church here, I do stop. I have stopped before. Right? But if you don't preach the truth, then people don't realize that they're violating standards. Moral standards. You know, you know why atheists, atheists have no moral standards? They have societal standards, but they have no personal moral standards because if there is no God, there's no morality. Everything goes. You hear what I'm saying? My dad was an engineer. Guess what engineers do? They have to figure how to get within parameters. He was a pipe and stress alanist, so his whole job was, you've got this kind of gas going through, uh, you've got to figure out how do we get the gas to stay within certain parameters, because if it don't stay within certain parameters, it's going to explode, and that was his whole job. Well, you need to do this, you need to do that, because you've got to follow the parameters. You can't go over the parameters. If you do, there'll be, there'll be explosion, there'll be danger. And then when he was no longer an engineer, he retired, and he's living life, and he has diabetes, right? Uh, we tell him, Dad... Normal blood sugar is between 90 and 110. What was your blood sugar? 240. And I said, Dad, that's not good. He said, no, no, it's good. <laughs> I read an article. And then he goes into the doctor. The doctor says, that's not good. And he tells the doctor, you're wrong. I read an article that says it's okay. And I said, Dad, you got diabetes. You can't be drinking Diet Coke. You can't be drinking milk. You can't be doing No, no, it's okay. I know it's okay. I, uh, why? Because I, I want to. How many of you didn't ever say that? That's the bottom line. I want to, right? So now all of a sudden, the standards, you know, now we can present the standards and you can choose to say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. That's free will. But we're not going to violate the standards. No matter what you, what you think, no matter what, the standard is always blood pressure is 120 over. Now, what, what's blood pressure? 120 over 80. Y'all know that. So if you have blood pressure of 159, whoops, something's not right. If your blood pressure is 210, emergency room. Right? Blood sugar, 190 to 110, maybe 120, somewhere right there. But I think it's about 90 to 110, right? Now there's different, you know, fasting blood sugars, uh, uh, eating blood sugars, and, you know, if you eat, you go up to a certain level, you know, for a certain time, whatever. That, that's, no. But if you have 300, that ain't good. And p different people react. I've known people that they, they would have blood sugars of four or 500, and no problem. But it's still bad. And then my dad, he'd get to 300, and he'd get disoriented. He didn't know where he was. I mean, it's just, it's just for him, his body's different. We're not all the same. But the bottom line is you have, to, you have standards, and you can choose to ignore them, but you can't deny them. You're not going to change the standards. So we have to have truth. You cannot have truth. You can't stop preaching truth. You can't, uh, but well, the political culture of today or Facebook won't let me. I don't care. I care what God says. I care what His Word says. His standard is the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Sin is sin, whether a society agrees or accepts it or not, or whether another church told you that you can do this and still be okay. No, the Word of God says different. So I'll present you the standard. You get to choose whether you want to follow the standard or not. 
But don't say, well, I don't believe that's the word. You can believe that, but it's not going to change. This is God's word. This is his truth. Well, how do you know it's true? Because I'm here today. I follow this word, and who I am today is not who I was. My life, the lives of these people up here who put their faith in God and God, his word, are testimonies that God's word is true. Right? But So I preach the truth, but I've also had to learn how to preach it in love. These are the standards. And you know what? If you fall short, I've fallen short many times. <laughs> I fall, fell short, but God says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It means you're missing the mark. You're aiming for a mark, and you miss it. You know, as a Christian, I still fall short. If any man confess his sins, this is, this is the goodness of God. He is faithful, and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So falling short is not, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm going to hell. You know, it's not that. It's, Lord, I'm, I'm, I missed it. I'm wrong. I'm talking to believers that already know the Lord. I missed it. I'm wrong. God, listen, when my family, members of my family, when we get out of sorts, you know, I'm not looking to strike them down. I'm not looking to tase them. I'm not looking to, you know, send them to jail. I'm not looking to that. What I'm looking for is reconciliation. What can we do to restore? When my wife and I, we, we get into every once in a while, I call them intense negotiations. You ever been in intense negotiations before? Billy, don't nod your head. Right? We, we always have to find a way to reconcile because we love each other. Yes, sir. Everything he's preaching on right here, y'all, is... Uh making choices and stuff. And this story has meant a lot to me, and I've shared it over the years through different people. And it's pretty neat because it's not straight from the Bible, but it lines up. It says, the story of two wolves. Have you heard this? It's neat, and if you have it, enjoy. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the, the boy. It is a terrible fight, and it is a, <clears throat> it is a fight, and it is between two wolves. One is evil. He is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. He continued, the other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of each of you. As he told his grandson, and inside of every other person too. He said the grandson thought about it for a minute, and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. I'm going to read just a piece further. That's the end of that story, the one you feed. Whether or not it's your first time hearing this story, it serves as an important reminder of the power we have over our experiences and our emotions. It's easy to feel like a victim in challenging situations and circumstances in our life. We want to understand our negative thoughts, feelings, and experiences, so we place blame on other people, objects, or events. We look outward to try to make sense of what's going on inside of us. We do this all the time. Why? It's our way of coping and feeling more in control of uncontrollable situations. The problem with this approach, however, is that it takes away 
our personal responsibility, and here you go, the same thing Pastor Rick's been saying the whole time, our freedom of choice. In attempt to feel more in control by faulting others for our experience, we actually strip ourselves of our own power. The power is lost the moment we become dependent on other people or things to make us feel a certain way. I got a text right over the top of it. Hold on. I was waiting for it to go away. Uh, To make us feel a certain way. Uh, Hold on just a second. I'm sorry. A text came across the top of it. I couldn't read it. Uh, In our attempt to feel more in control by faulting others, our experience actually to strip us of our own power. That power is lost the moment we become dependent on other people or things to make us feel a certain way. Whether that feeling is positive or negative, we are no longer taking side, sole responsibility for our own emotions or experience when we believe that they are a result of anything other than our choice. Here's the last thing. By exercising your freedom of choice, you can make a life-changing decision of which wolf do you want to feed. Choice is, is all I'm saying, and it lines up exactly with what Pastor Rick is telling. All right. So, try to weave that together. When we see then is that all the people in our story all had access and received the same opportunity, but they didn't all serve the same thing because of their choices, because of what they did in life. It wasn't the Lord as much as the people. As believers, we all have access to the same Lord, the same word, the same resources, the same promises, the same spirit, but what we serve is far from being the same across the board because of the choices that we make. I want us to know who God is and what God has made available to you as believers, but if you're here today and you're not a believer, I want to tell you the truth, but I also want to show you that God is good.